0: Hi, and welcome to the Story Q podcast. This is episode three, and I'm Frank Erickson. Laverne has the week off. He is busy working on the next issue of StoryQ magazine. If you're just tuning into the podcast for the first time, or even if you're just tuning in for the third time, it's obviously a new part of StoryQ. StoryQ is a digital publication dedicated to barbecue, and I, I think it's the only one out there. There have been some attempts to create a conventional magazine dedicated to barbecue, and it just didn't fly. But this digital magazine has really taken off, and I'm not only a subscriber, I'm also a member and allowed to be a writer, and I'm hosting these podcasts along with Laverne. But again, he's got the week off. Uh, just a quick reminder you can subscribe to the Story Q podcast in iTunes or on SoundCloud. And this way, you'll get each and every episode delivered right to your mobile device as soon as it's published. Subscriptions to the Story Q podcast are absolutely free. So, hey, go for it. And if you like our podcast, we ask you to send this link to your barbecue friends and to like us on Facebook and to like us on iTunes as well. So, before we get into. Um, my chat with Donnie Bray of Warren County Pork Choppers. I thought I wanted to share with you a little bit, since I have a little bit of time, of how I stumbled and literally stumbled into the world of barbecue. I've always been basically a backyard cook. But when I say backyard cook, um, in the past, that meant steaks, burgers, hot dogs, bratwurst, the occasional Christmas prime rib. That was about it. And, um, you know, I never knew there was a world of barbecue out there. Anyhow, about 10 years ago, I got married for the first time, and I live in Boulder, Colorado, but I live down on the south end of town. Boulder's a fairly large city, about 100,000 people. The University of Colorado is here. We won't talk about our football team, um, but that's another story. Um, but here in Boulder, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great town. We're right up against the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, and— um but so I got married and I moved into my wife's house. I had a townhome. Um, she had, you know, a private dwelling with a nice big backyard. And so I moved into her place. Well, the first summer, we got married in March of 2000, uh, 2005. And that summer, we're out riding our bikes. And there's, a, there's this little shopping center not too far from us. And we decide one Saturday morning let's ride our bikes over there, grab some coffee, something to eat at the local coffee shop. And, um, read the paper, chat for a while, get a little exercise. So we head over there and as we get there in the parking lot where the coffee shop is, there's all these pop-up canopies all over the place and smoke is filling the air. And hey, I I'm inquisitive because the aroma of whatever they were cooking was just magnificent. And we start walking around. Well, it's only like 9.30 in the morning. And we bump into a gentleman by the name of Kirk Jamison. And Kirk goes to our church. He also owns KT's Barbecue here in Denver and Boulder. And uh, that's another great story, Q, uh, story about uh, barbecue. I should get Kirk on sometime because he had a love of barbecue. He came out from Kansas City and started out with just one little restaurant with his smoker out in the back and now he's got half a dozen places between Denver and Boulder so that's a great story we may get into some other week but meanwhile i i'm i'm talking to Kirk and I, was, I said what's going on and he goes well we're having this kind of a informal barbecue contest and um, he goes but it doesn't really start you can't really sample anything till noon so you know come back later well i came back later and there was everything there from guys with these gigantic offset pits, people cooking on little Weber kettles, little Smoky Joes. I mean, it was everything. It was kind of a fun contest, and maybe there was 10 or 15 little barbecue teams, if you will, um, competing for – I don't even know what the prize was or if there was a prize. It was more of a fun contest than anything else, not sanctioned by any of the sanctioning bodies in barbecue. But I start walking around and I'm, you know, I've never seen a a big offset pit before. And I'm looking at this and I'm talking to the guys and right away I'm just going, boy, that's cool. I want one of those. And my wife is looking at me like, calm down, calm down. The answer is no. Where are you going to put it? This thing is bigger than your car. So we keep walking around. Anyhow, I um, go over to a place. Uh, that was set up with a canopy and, and a couple of a couple of smokers in there, and uh, there was a wooden fence around it. And I thought this was kind of cool. And I walk over, and it happened to be a gentleman by the name of. And if you're listening to this in the Rocky Mountain region, you probably know Denny Mildenberger of Over the Fence Barbecue. He was on the competition circuit for years, and just a super super guy. Anyhow, I walk in and I say, "What are you What are you cooking? I mean, what are you cooking on?" And I told him I'm totally new to barbecue. And he goes, well, I'm cooking on a Traeger grill. He goes, it's a pellet grill. And I said, "Uh, what does that mean? And he said, well, it cooks on food-grade pellets. He goes, see, I put my pork butts on last night, and I went to bed. These guys with these giant offset pits were up all night tending the fire. And he goes, I got a good night's sleep, and my product is just as good as theirs. So he gives me a sample of it. And it was terrific. We, I sampled some of his pulled pork, and I'm going, wow, this is awesome. So now I want a Traeger grill. And he had the Traeger Texas, which is the larger one. And uh, again, this was back in 2005. So the Traegers at that time kind of looked like an offset grill, although the firebox or, excuse me, the uh, the pellet the pellet hopper was in the shape of a firebox. So... Anyhow, I'm I really want one of these things and I check it out, they're a thousand bucks. I say to my wife, Look, if I do X number of dollars this month in my business, I'm gonna buy one of these pellet grills. And she goes, Okay, if you do that much, fine. And they were going for about, you know, a thousand bucks or something like that, which is way more than I have ever, ever paid for a barbecue. And again, that that time my idea was if you had a Weber kettle, you had a barbecue. Well, it's a grill. Uh, you can barbecue on it. now I've learned, but basically it's a grill. This was a smoker, and that's what I wanted. I thought, and you know he Denny shows me it's like, you know, low, medium, high. Uh, they even have, you know, the digital uh, controllers where you can set the temperature and all this other stuff. And Denny was actually a dealer for Traeger. Well, It didn't take much for him to sell me on that particular smoker. All I had to do was taste the food and talk to Denny for a while, just a great guy, as I said. And um, so I wanted one of these pellet cookers. And the pellet cooker arrives, somehow I'm able to put it together myself. Now, I have no idea, I'm still learning which end of the hammer hits the head of the nail. So that's how miraculous it was that I actually put this thing together as we we're talking. Pardon the phone in the background. Anyhow, I end up buying this, this pellet grill, and that was my intro into barbecue. And I started cooking. The first thing, of course, is ribs. And then I try pork butt. And it's coming out great. Put on some salmon. It was the best salmon I've ever had. And uh, just cooking all kinds of stuff on there and started doing some just some fun cooks having friends over decided to do a cook for our church, and um, it just you know kind of got into learning what what the Traeger was capable of doing and what it wasn't capable of doing. I have since moved on from the Traeger uh, to a Weber Smoky Mountain cooker, the large one, the 22 and a half inch, and the reason for that was while pellet cookers are great great for convenience, and they put out an awesome product, because if you follow the competition circuit, you know that uh, even now, and and certainly a few years back, lots and lots of people were winning, and winning big, and winning team of the year, using a Fast Eddie by Cook Shack FEC 100 pellet cooker. I mean, they were all over the place. It was the most popular thing to have, and uh, they're still popular out there, although there seems to be a trend Every once in a while, like in anything else, you know, somebody starts winning with a pellet cooker, everybody gets one. And then all of a sudden, somebody starts winning with an offset cooker uh, with a firebox and, and and wood instead of pellets and or a combination of charcoal and, and wood. And next thing, everybody moves over to those things. Um, I think maybe Jambo pits are the hot one now that everybody wants to have, at least as far as competitors go. But some guys are still cooking on some just old, old offset pits that they made themselves or some smokers that have been around for years, such as the case with Warren County pork choppers. Anyhow, um, it was basically that Traeger and that experience that got me into barbecue and my love for that and going to barbecue contests and meeting people like Johnny Trigg, who at the time was cooking, I believe, on a jambo pit, because it looked like it looked like a Corvette stingray. I mean it was beautiful. This thing was polished and and shined more than than my car is polished and shined. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous, and you all know Johnny Trigg. Don't have to tell you about him. Anyhow, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it for the time being. It may change at any moment. I warn you. Okay, let's get into our let's get into the meat of this podcast. Donnie Bray of Warren County Pork Choppers. If you've not heard of them, maybe you're a backyard cook. You don't follow the barbecue competition circuit. He cooks on the KCBS circuit, and last year. Warren County Pork Choppers were were the KCBS Team of the Year. And I found out while talking to Donnie, and they were also the 2013 KCBS Team of the Year, but they ended up being runner-up. They were tied for first at the end of the competition season. And they ended up losing the tiebreaker via KCBS tiebreaking rules, and Donnie's cool with that. But as with most people, you're going to find that Donnie is really open about all that he does in preparing for a contest. And if you're thinking about taking a barbecue class, whether you want to compete, are competing, or want to just get better results, or you just want to be a better backyard cook, Donnie offers a cooking class that is absolutely amazing. And, uh, but rather than me tell you all about that, let's have Donnie tell you all about that. Here is this week's Story Q podcast featuring the 2014 KCBS Team of the Year pitmaster, Donnie Bray of Warren County Pork Choppers. <music> Donnie, how are you? Great. How about you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Now that, uh, that you and I are talking, I am honored to talk to a member of the kcbs team of the year
1: well that's uh you know that that's a very hard thing to get now you got to be uh uh, extremely lucky i guess would be the way and persistent
0: yeah very persistent i would say how big was that for you guys
1: well uh you know it, it we basically my team just just almost put their life on hold you know to try to to put that together uh and we, you know, we chased it extremely hard in 2013 and tying for the team of the year in 13, and just couldn't get uh, another point and um, lost to a tiebreaker. So we got second in 2013 and uh, was very aggressive in 2014 to come out and and then that's where the luck thing kicks in. You know, it's very hard to back something like that up. And 2014, we come out of the gate really strong and and started winning some grand championships. Started out in Florida and worked our way across the United States and um, pretty well um, took the whole year. We never really had it just clinched, but I think we did win that by several points. I When I say several, uh, thirty or so. Um, but it was uh, you know it was a uh, Two-year effort, um, 70, some contests, I guess, 60 to 70 contests in that 24 months. But uh, it it was definitely all in to
0: make that happen. Boy, I'll bet. I mean, and I didn't realize that in 2013 you tied for Team of the Year. So two years in a row, that's like winning the Super Bowl, two years in a row.
1: Well, you know, they say nobody's ever done it twice, but I really feel that I mean, back to back. But I feel that it was, you know, uh, I consider it back to back because I had the same amount of points as the team that, that did get team of the year. We had twenty nine hundred and forty, I think, points, which was like three points off the all time high record, and then fell short to a tiebreaker that we didn't even know existed, but uh, it was something that had been put into play in, uh, you know, several years back. That uh, was dug up, and uh, I'm I'm comfortable with that. But uh, I consider it a win, you know, having the same amount. It, it wasn't like I was outdone. I just didn't get over the hump.
0: What do you What do you attribute your success to? Is it Is it skill? Is it practice? Is it um, the cooker? Is it all of those things?
1: Well, I think the passion for cooking that was. Um, implemented into me through my grandmother and and family members has a lot to do with it i think that um my hobby prior to this was uh i drag race with um Hot rod magazine and peterson publishing company we went throughout the united states through the late 80s and 90s with the fastest street car in the world um sort of a um, a deal that was a sanctioning body that does the same thing as barbecue did, and I, at that, all of that, I did win that championship, and the consistency that that I learned through that, I just put that into play with cooking, and it's uh, you know it's hard for some people to think about consistency in cooking, um, and that's, I, I think that that just sort of set it up that I take nothing lightly uh, about it and uh, really understand how easy it is to stumble uh, with this. Uh, You know, it's cooking, you wouldn't think it's broke down into something that's that minute, but it's very easy for us as humans to taste something that's overdone or something that's underdone. Uh, And then if you do that every week as a judge, um, they get, you get really good at it, and that's what these judges do. Uh, being, um, you know, to put a flavor profile. Most judges, uh, if they, if something really stands out, you take a chance that a judge, you know, might offend them. You know, you can say, well, I like, um, you know, habanero, or, or I like uh, peach preserves, but you know, maybe a judge wouldn't put the flavor of peach with barbecue. So you have to be very, very. Cautious as that you make really good food that doesn't have anything that somebody could easily um, not like. So it has to be level and consistency. Um, cookers, um, I cook with the same homemade offset stick cooker for 30 years and uh, used that uh, into the KCBS portion of my hobby and finished, I think, 12th in the nation with it. Uh, then moved up to commercial water cookers. I use backwoods right now. Uh I'm dabbling with old hickory and uh, deep south gravity feeds. I'm I'm still trying to find which is a, you know, what's the best thing that's out there for me, but I won the championship on on backwoods.
0: And which uh backwoods model were you using or are you using?
1: I use three. Uh, on my trailer Uh, I have a very unique trailer that I have that I've built where my cookers stay inside and are vented to the outside so that I can heat and air condition that area Uh, basically like cooking in a kitchen so that any weather conditions doesn't affect me but I use a G2 competitor a G2 party and a G2 chubby and they're all uh, lined up in that inside that trailer
0: well, you have got to be the favorite customer of Backwoods Smokers by now.
1: I uh, have uh, six or seven of them on my property right now.
0: Wow. Wow, you should be a dealer.
1: <laughs> well, there's one, too. I, I looked into that a few years ago, but one of their largest dealers is only about 50 miles away from me in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, they, they are very cautious about not hurting their dealers.
0: I get that. You know, you talked about cooking your way starting out uh, last year in Florida and cooking your way across the country, and then we talked about judges and and flavor profiles. How much do the flavor profiles change as you move from east to west or south to north?
1: You know, I don't really try not to change that. If anything, I will tone down uh, sweet or something of that nature. I feel the flavor profile that never lets you down is sweet, heat, salt, and smoke. So um, I won the KCBS portion of the World Food Championship in Las Vegas and then I went all the way across the United States there to uh, Florida and cooked the same thing and won in Lakeland, Florida, three weeks later. Um, so uh, one of the places, the Carolinas, is usually uh, a place that you'd be very cautious about because um, they, you know, the Carolinas have their own flavor profile, but, um, and I've done well in those states. Not as many wins, but a lot of second places and things like that. And and there again, I don't go for the vinegar base or thin sauce that they use in that region. I just stay strictly with what I do, and if anything, I tone it down a little bit. Maybe add a little bit more salt and a little more smoke, but try to deviate away from regional flavor profile.
0: You hold cooking classes, you have a facility that you actually teach in, a standalone facility that you teach people in, and you mentioned just a little bit earlier how many students you have right now. How many did you say?
1: I think, now this is not a, um, an actual number, but I'm guessing that we've had, since we started doing classes, between 340 and 370 students come through our class.
0: And do you have some classes coming up this summer?
1: Uh, No, we got one coming up this fall, uh, October 9th and 10th, or the weekend of the 10th. We're going to do one. We've we we, we got some um, that we've let, uh, like uh, Operation Barbecue Relief, we've let some people auction our class students off uh, to raise money. So we've got to have one more class just to uh, sort of pay our debts back to the one that we've used uh, for charity. So we figured we'd just go ahead and advertise it and make a full-blown class and try to fill it up.
0: Are there still some openings to that? So if someone listens to this podcast, they could go to com. I believe is the website, and sign up for the class there.
1: Yeah, we don't we're not as active on our website as we are on Facebook, but if they just the warren county pork choppers uh, Facebook account that probably gets to us faster because we don't really have a lot of time for to use our web correctly. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's on there, and we advertise in the bull sheet with uh, KCBS. Uh, that'll be coming out. But there is still uh there still openings in the uh, October class, and the way we do that is we uh, once they sign up, we either can do credit cards over the phone or they can mail in a check and as soon as their check gets there to hold their spot. And then we uh, uh, we don't deposit those, of course, until the week of the class, but we have to have something to make sure that we got it filled up and we're not running people off or not letting people in that uh, that otherwise we could. But um, very easy. My daughter takes care of that. She works full-time for my electrical company and for the Warren County Port Choppers and she takes care of all of our students. We got a really cool classroom that's uh, the state of the art audio visual that's in there. We have a hundred and twenty inch screen that's over my head that um, actually so people in the back can see what my hands are doing and then with a flick of the remote then it has outside cameras that we can go straight to the smokers, so that we don't have 70 students trying to get up and go outside like a lot of classes, you know, have to, that, and when you get that many, you can easily get, uh, it's hard to get people's attention back and get them set down, so we, we use uh, a lot of the state-of-the-art stuff to make that so they can be comfortable. Um, they, we have a, we've set uh, our students up at a, a new host motel, it's about 15 minutes away from the classroom and we pick them up in a bus on friday night and bring it a friday during the day and take them back friday night and um big country breakfast and uh friday night there's a big usually a steak supper but uh it's a great learning experience along with uh you know it's sort of an outing and especially when you come into a holler in kentucky um some of our We've had people from all over. From um, at our last class, it was pretty, pretty wild to look out, And at one table, I had people from California all the way to the tip of Florida being represented at one table. Um, and then a lot of people, our first student that we had when we first started this came from Portland, Oregon. So um, most of our, our students are from everywhere.
0: Well, you know, go where the knowledge is. Go where the pros go and <laughs> Sounds like uh that, that that pro place is your place. Let me ask you this. Um if someone was fortunate enough to get a spot in one of your classes and they show up for the weekend, can you kind of walk us through what what takes place on Friday or Saturday without giving too much away or or going into too heavy a detail?
1: Yeah. Um, of course, my my whole world is an open book. This is a tell-all class, so I don't mind telling anything that I know about barbecue. Um, you know, no matter what anybody knows, you still have to be able to cook. So, flavor profiles and things of that nature is just one portion of this. So, what I try to do is to go really deep and break down what what's happening with the meat. And we'll talk, for instance, of brisket. You know, a lot of people don't know that a brisket stalls out. And if they didn't know that it stalls out, they don't know why it stalls out. But, you know, you just what I try to teach is like the, this brisket when any beef, when you get to a well done state, and that in if you was cooking a burger, you'd see it push the blood to the top. Well it's it's pushing that out and it's actually turning gray. Well, you get rid of all the moisture. When the moisture's gone in a brisket that stalls out, and that's usually somewhere between 160, 70, 80, they'll stall depending on what temperature your pit that you're cooking at. But it's going to stay there at that temperature and not rise until the membrane that that holds the muscle together starts to melt. And when that happens, you get moisture. Moisture makes temperature, so your brisket starts to rise again. And you have to catch it before that moisture is gone that second time because that's what a dry and flaky brisket is. So our... Our, every one of our meat categories is—that's what our class is about. But on Friday, when they we start our class at exactly three o'clock on Friday, and uh, when our students come in, we have snacks and drinks and everything set up. They get comfortable, and we start out just going through each category. Uh, I usually don't trim meat in front of the class because I think that's a time burner. Most of my this is an advanced class. Most of my students are. Are people that have been cooking for quite some time. But I usually trim just one piece, or I talk about the trimming. But uh, we go straight from that into the flavor profiles that I use, uh, injections that I use, and seasonings that I use. And uh, we do all four categories. And after that, that takes us, that leads us back up to around six thirty. And uh, after the at, at about 6.30 to 7, we break for supper, depending on... We usually have a celebrity cook that comes in. We've had Michael McDermott do steaks that, uh, you know, works the Sam's Club stuff now. Uh, but we have uh, fish fries and various different things that happen. And then we finish off with what we do for chicken. Try to get everybody out by about 9 o'clock on Friday because they have to be back... Um, a little before 7. So we wrap the meat at 7. After 7, we have a big country breakfast, and I usually work through the breakfast, but as they're eating, then um, we're getting ready for the next categories because then at at 8.25, the ribs go on, and uh, then throughout the day, as we try to keep up with the KCBS timing, uh, 12 o'clock chicken, 1230 ribs, 1 o'clock pork, 130 brisket, and we go through them. As they come off, I cook them exactly the same timeline as what I do to win the team of the year, and we make a display box, a turn-in box. Everybody gets to take pictures and taste, um, and we try to get them out by about 330 on Saturday.
0: Wow, that's pretty extensive.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, we, we work them hard for the time that they're here, but uh it's, it's amazing to go to contests and it be, you know, seven out of the ten top ten calls come out of your class. Uh, in a lot of places it's very hard for me to go and get calls because the people that was, you know, already had a really good theory of what to do and then all of a sudden they come to your class and you give them your secrets. It's very hard to get around them. That's why we're trying to come up with a few few different flavor
0: profiles. Well, oh, start cooking in different states. Or, you know, you, what you need to do is set up a little agreement that when, that they need to sign a, a contract or a, a non compete a non-compet, I'm sorry, let me say that again, a non-compete clause.
1: <laughs> well, they're, they're coming, they invest their money in the it for my class to get their money back. And that, that's a great thing about it, even though it's an expensive class that uh, they go out and get a chicken call and get their money back, you know, so. Um, no, I, i I feel like that it's still, even though I give them the knowledge, then I, I just try to have to buckle down a little bit harder. And it's put a lot of, a lot of extra stress on me this year to try to work my way back towards the top. Um, but it, it's also such a benefit for a lady to come up and hug your neck and tears coming out of her eyes and saying, uh, thank you so much. For your help, you know. Now we can afford to do this. You know, it, it's so hard for a, a family to go out and spend six hundred to a thousand dollars a week cooking a competition, and not get some calls and get that money back. But on the other hand, if you get a couple of calls and let's say, you know, you get four hundred to the six hundred back, most families would spend a couple hundred dollars to go on a camping trip. So if you get calls, this this hobby is really really good and forgiving. But you, you know, you just there's a lot of people just sort of out there and, and don't know the answer. And, and I feel these classes, as long as it's a good tell-all class, gets this hobby to where it's fun for the family.
0: What would somebody have to invest to take one of your classes?
1: We get 750 a head except for a spouse. And we most people don't do this, but if, uh, if it's a spouse, then we let the spouse in for $100, and that just covers the food and, and some of our expenses. But... Um, I feel at that uh, the 750 is either some you know toughies. I think he's at a thousand and Tim Grant was at a thousand. But I keep in mind under that, and uh, still I have to make it worth my while to put um, you know the investment of this uh, of this building and test kitchen and everything and I put into it to make it a great experience.
0: Well, you talked earlier about passion, and I can really hear that in your voice and uh, i well, boy if there's any way i can figure out a way to take your class i would love to do that because i'm you know i'm just kind of a backyard guy like a lot of the people that subscribe to story q magazine are we're just you know backyard cooks and maybe some of us have the dream of competing on uh, the barbecue circuit or competing in a couple of contests to see if we even like it and i think you know making and i call it not cost but an investment of going to a class like you offer at Warren County Pork Choppers uh, and to and to learn from somebody who has been there and done that and achieved that and won at that type of level at that level of competition is really invaluable sometimes you almost can't put a dollar amount on it but you know somebody that maybe has no experience with barbecue whatsoever would say 750 but when you when you break that down it's like man that's that's nothing for that kind of knowledge i i think anyhow
1: Oh, no, not when, you know, not when these contests pay so well. This is a very, I mentioned my hobby prior to this being racing, which, you know, I would have a couple hundred thousand dollars invested, and if I won, I could win $1,500. And and this sport, it is a live and let live sport that, um, you know, there's a lot of contests that pay 2500 to $4,000 to win plus categories. So let's just say you are a beginner and you take a class and you go out and then it pays five hundred dollars to win chicken, you know, and then you get you get a third place rib call that pays two fifty. You've already got your money back in the very first one. So it, it it's uh, the seven fifty is peanuts compared to what. Just think if you went to seven or eight contests in a year, not knowing what to do, and you drop. Seven to eight thousand dollars, five to eight thousand dollars, going to seven or eight contests. Not knowing, you'd been a whole lot better off to pay that seven fifty, get some knowledge. But if you can't cook, you just better get your golf clubs back out. You know, it's just that simple. You know, you have got to be able to cook. I use this in my class. I I, I use NASCAR as a for instance. You know, you, you take uh, Jimmy Johnson that got the best of everything there is, the best engineers, the best cars, the most money in the owner, the best sponsors, and he wins and wins and wins. You pull him out of that driver's seat and put Kyle Petty in it, he's not going to win. You st- he still has to drive no matter he has the best of everything. He's still got to drive, and that's the same way when they leave my class. When you're out there, you've still got to cook. These are guidelines to tell you which way to go, but you still got to cook. So the people who... You know, are not putting that effort. I go and every week I see people that are having a big party and uh, up all night, and you know they maybe what for whatever they they make too big of a party out of it, and then just try to throw some meat on the grill and on a smoker and cook it. No, you're not going to win you got to get comfortable and be prepared and make sure that that meat's trimmed at home and you've took the best product with you that you most possibly can. And if you didn't, throw it away or feed it to your neighbor and go back and get some more. But when I see people trimming meat at contests, I think, you know, man, if, you, if, it, ain't, if it ain't good, you're just going to cook it anyway. But the person who beat you is the person who went deeper inside themselves to figure it out and to make it happen. There's no, you're not going to, when you put that simple word competition on the barbecue, you take the eating and the cooking and the beer drinking out of it and you just turned it into what it just was dis- a competition. So you have to put more effort to win, unless you just get lucky. But for the most part, you got to be willing to go as deep inside yourself, to put out the best product that's humanly possible, and then get lucky with the judges. And that's when you get a grand champion.
0: Well, having talked to you for the past uh, almost 30 minutes, I have a feeling there's not a lot of luck involved in your success.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I, I think so. I, I think you've got to get your heart right and you've got to live right. And, and uh, you know, you uh, you got to give to receive. And there's all of those things. Uh, I put that. My, every cook starts out with a prayer. So you know, I think that that I, I can't do it on my own. There's a lot of good, lot of good cooks out there, lots and lots of good cooks. So having a good, clean heart, living right, and uh, you know, I, I think that we all, as people, can get whatever we want out of life if you're willing to uh, put the effort in that you that you got to to make it happen. And, and this barbecue is really, really, really um,
0: competitive. Well, boy, if there's a lot of people out there like you, Donnie, I think the uh, the world of competitive barbecue is in a great place, and uh, I'm just really honored to to spend some time talking to you today.
1: Oh, it's, a, it's an honor to, to get to talk about barbecue. It's a passion for me. I, passion.
0: I can hear that, and I think everybody that's listening to this podcast right now can hear that too. Thank you very, very much.
1: Yes, sir. Not a problem at all.
0: Man, what a great guy. I really, really enjoy talking with him, and if uh, I am starting to save up my money right now to take his next barbecue class, that sounds like not only just a lot of fun, but it sounds like it would really be educational. I know it would help me out if I, because right now I'm just a backyard cook, but you know, someday I might want to go out there on the competition circuit, and especially if I take Donnie's class then I may just have the push that I need to get me out there competing and see, uh, see what I can do. But anyhow, if you have a barbecue-related device or product and you'd like to become one of our StoryQ podcast partners, you can contact our leader, Laverne Gingrich, via email. His address is laverne, L-A-V-E-R-N, at storyq.com. And that's S-T-O-R-Y-Q-U-E dot com. Laverne at storyq.com. And like I said, if you've got a barbecue device or product and want to become one of our podcast partners, get in touch with Laverne. He'll tell you all about it. That's going to do it for this week. Until next time, stay blessed, stay busy, and stay safe. I'm Frank Erickson. I'll be back next week with another Story Q podcast.